0: Hello, Timajulam, Karibuni Sanatana. Welcome again. We are still on the act series, and today we'll be looking at chapter 3. We're finally making progress. <laughs> hey, me, let me tell you, I can stick on a chapter for a whole month, to be honest. But anyway, we're moving. We're moving forward, guys. And now, today, we're going to be looking at chapter 3. Uh, Acts 3, which is such a dope, dope, dope chapter. I know every chapter I say this, but this one is like, and I'll probably say that next week, but whatever, this one is amazing, where something incredibly miraculous happens. It's such a beautiful story, man. Oh my gosh, I love it. And it's it's the story of the first, you know, in the book of Acts, um, the first public, like, miracle, you know. Um... And by miracle, I mean miracle of healing, because in Acts 2, there's the miracle of the tongues. Um, and it's just so powerful. I, I just love it. And, and, you know, Luke was very intentional about recording this specific, specific, specific miracle. Um, so what happens is, obviously, like we know after Acts 2, what happens is that the, the Holy Spirit, you know, has caused the scene, you know, descending upon the disciples and given the ability to speak in different languages. Um, And like I said last week, you know, this is in tongues, like the way we understand where guys right now, it's like most times when we hear people speaking in tongues, to us it sounds like gibberish. Um... But then it was it was in tongues in the same way that we, are, we we see it now. It was literally them speaking in different languages, right? It says in Acts two five to eight. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under earth. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one had their own language being spoken utterly amazed they asked, aren't all those who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Mm -hmm. So we talked about this and again like I mentioned like actually this is when I wanted to talk about it is how that moment that you see in Acts 2 is very much a reversal of what happens in the Tower of Babel. You know in the Tower of Babel, if you remember in the Tower of Babel in Genesis 11, So in Genesis 11, it says that the people said to each other, come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered over the face of the whole earth. And so the thing that happens in the Tower of Babel is that God confused their common language so that they would not be able to do this thing that they were trying to do which is, was destined for failure anyway, because what they were trying to do was trying to make a name for themselves, which in itself is a futile pursuit, right? Um, this is the thing that we all try to do, to be quite honest, is that we're all trying to build our own towers that, so that we can make a name for ourselves. And the Tower of Babel is a very clear message of that will always end in failure, that us try to build our own kingdoms and to build our own towers to make a name for ourselves has never been the intention of why God created us, right? That's never been God's intention, that our intention has always been to be able to be, bring glory to Him, to make a name for Him, to build His kingdom, not to build our own kingdoms but to build His kingdom on here on earth. Um, so here's the day of Pentecost, right? The day of Pentecost comes, the Holy Spirit comes, and he unites the people by giving them divine utterance of all the languages of the nations of the earth, all of them proclaiming one thing, that, which is the wonders of God, where it says that we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. And so on this very miraculous event, the Holy Spirit's presence brings unity to the message of Christ, that Christ is the unifying factor. That his message is the one that is, his name is the one that is the most important name. That we unite in language so that this is the name. This here is the name. This is not about building a tower for ourselves. This is about building the tower of the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. For the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. That name is the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I hear an amen? So, Peter then proceeds to explain what it is that's happened over there in Acts two. So he explains to them, like guys, this is what's going on, right? This is not guys who are just drunk. It's 9 a.m. in the morning, anyway. They're not boozed. but this is what's happening. This is what's going on. And he begins to share with them the same the message of the uh, the message of the gospel uh, with them. And he shares and he talks to them about Christ Jesus and his saving grace. Um, and, and he delivers such an amazing sermon. You need to go and read Acts two. Okay? Go read Acts 2. So on that day, about 120 disciples became 3,120 disciples because it says about 3,000 were added to their day, to their number that day. Right? So now there were 3,120 disciples. Okay? Who are now on part of this 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 now what we see is now the church the emergence of the church the birth of the church right and so what we see over there is it talks about in acts 2 at the very end in 42 where it says it talks about that the apostles performed many signs and wonders wonders amongst the disciples leaving them in complete awe. So the apostles are performing signs and wonders so by the time we're getting into acts 3 it's not that this is the first time that this a miracle is being seen The apostles are performing signs and wonders, but within these signs and wonders are within the community of of disciples that are there, because it says that they were observing all this. So from Acts 2.42 to 47, we can see, you know, many signs and wonders are happening amongst the believers, and they're all filled with awe, right? They're all filled with awe at all these things that the apostles are doing, right? And then on top of that, there's incredible unity in the church as well. We're going to revisit this um, later in terms of talking about Acts 2 42 to 47 because the unity that we see in the church at that point in time is something within itself very miraculous. It's something that we, I don't believe, see in the church today that level of unity where people were selling off their property and giving to as many as had need. So that's usually something that we don't see. So that in itself was already incredibly miraculous and we're going to talk about that a little bit later when we cover the story of Ananias and Sapphira, right? So we'll revisit that later. But here's the thing, in Acts 3 is where we see the first mention of this public Healing miracle, so outside of the realm of the disciples and the and, and the apostles and the church, we see the first recording of the uh, a healing miracle that is happening outside of the church right um, and Luke singles this thing out so let's read it huh eh? it's acts three from verse one to ten. Remember last week we talked about God doing a new thing, right? My friends, this miracle is a new thing. And allow me to explain to you how this is a very, very new miracle, okay? This beggar, one, had been born lame. He had been lame all his life. And all throughout his life he had been a cripple, right? And I can, you know, the thing is is that I want you to, to spend some time with me when we think about this guy, to v- literally visualize him and think of the cripple that you probably would see begging on the streets. Um, if you live in uh, Kenya, you, you, you probably know what I'm talking about. Um, Where well, you're talking about the cripple, right? He's there, he's begging on the streets. Um, But he specifically is at the temple gate, right? And I want you to imagine this man's state of mind, you know, like think about like even in our society today how when you're born a cripple, like already the odds are heavily stacked against you. Right? Already, off the bat, like, bro, like unless you, you, you have great financial means, most times if you're born a cripple, you're condemned to a life of poverty, right? Um, which is unfortunate that we have a society like that. But think of it in that same sense that this is this is the unfortunate thing of this guy being born a cripple. And it says that he had been a cripple since birth. And it says that he was shipped daily to the temple gate to beg. I don't know if you guys know this about, like, same thing that uh, if you had the guy, um, what's his name, Wame? But the guy, the NMS... Buddy, General Buddy, General Buddy. <laughs> anyway, uh, where he talks about how like the beggars in the streets, how they are shipped to town, right, to go beg. Literally, like it's like a whole industry. So imagine with this guy, every day he's being shipped to the temple gate to beg. It says that that they brought him every single day, and so the thing is that the disciples at this point in time were in Jerusalem, right, and which means that this man this cripple, this is the thing that is so fascinating to think about. Right? If this guy was begging at the Jerusalem temple, it means that a guy who has been there from birth, remember that Jesus, not so long ago, was still around. So it means that this crippled guy probably and most probably saw so Jesus walk in and out of that temple. Right? That Jesus was there walking in and out of that temples with his apostles, that these apostles were walking through, right? That he had probably heard of the many miracles that Jesus had done. He had probably heard about the sick being healed, the lame walking, the blind seeing, the dead being raised. And so this guy is here at this temple gate and none of these things have happened for him. Jesus has literally <laughs> come, <laughs> died, and as far as everyone there who knew who was outside of the church, him is dead and gone, right? Jesus is dead and gone, right? Uh, my chance has bounced. That guy, that 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 prophet who used to heal guys, that guy has been killed, right? So him he's been he's literally reserved himself to a life of begging at the temple gate. Called beautiful. You know what's so interesting about this is that in the Greek this 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 word beautiful, this temple gate called beautiful, it says that the Greek adjective used to name the gate can be defined as one happening or coming at the right time. Or basically how we understand beautiful, beautiful, fair, lovely, but The way that gate called beautiful, that word is interpreted in Greek is happening or coming at the right time. So this guy, this beggar, is sitting at a temple gate called happening or coming at the right time. (laughs) Hallelujah! Imagine that. So imagine Jesus walks through these temples, right? Him, he's come and gone, he's bounced, like he's dead and buried, as far as this guy knows, right? He's gone. This guy who used to come and heal and probably used to hear all these stories. And so the thing that so the thing about this guy is that we see from his demeanor and from everything about this story that all hope was gone for this guy, right? He was reserved to his fate. Every single day he was carried to this gate to beg from those going into the temple courts. He was so reserved to his fate that even when he was there begging, he never even used to look at the people he used to beg from because it says if you remember Peter and John look at him and they say to him look at us which means that when the guy literally as people were passing by he was just seated there like this this is how the guy was probably seated with his hands out that anytime someone would come he'd just put his hands out he was so reserved to his fate that he never even looked at people right He just held out his hand so that he could receive money. And on this specific day, Peter and John are going up to the temple at a time of prayer and they see this man at the place called Beautiful, at the place called Happening at the Right Time. Hey! Hey! And then on this day, this lame beggar who sat there for many years, for many years, was finally seen. I can imagine, imagine how many people walked through. He was just literally wallpaper. He was wallpaper. Because the guy was always just there at the temple gate begging. He was wallpaper. And on this day, he was seen. (sighs) Remember, he was sitting at the temple gate called Beautiful. At the place called Happening at the Right Time. And it just so happens that his time had come. His happening at the right time had come. Peter and John looked straight at him. And Peter said to him, look at us. And so the, lo- the beggar, the cripple, looked at them expecting to get some money. Obviously, that's what people do here. He looks at them expecting to get some money. This is what he was used to. There was no faith in this man. All he was expecting from them was money. And Peter says to him, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk And they helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped up to his feet, and he began to walk, jumping and praising God. First and foremost, why this is so extraordinary is because I, through my study of Scripture, do not recall over time, and and I tried to look for this, could not recall over time where a miracle like this has happened. And this is what I mean. If you look at, if you study scripture most times, even during the time when Jesus was walked the earth, is that oftentimes healing came to those who asked for it. So meaning you'd find that people come, have mercy on me, son of Joseph. Her son of David, have mercy on me. So, so people would come and ask and seek healing. If you look at the woman who had the issue of blood, she was seeking healing from Jesus. She went and touched the hem of his garment to seek healing. If you look at the guy who was the cripple at the, at the pool of, of, of Bethsaida, right? he didn't know that the Jesus he was talking to was the one who was going to heal him. But the thing that to realize about him is that in as much as he did not seek healing, ask for his healing from Jesus, he was at the pool of Bethsaida hoping for healing, meaning that what would happen is in the pool of Bethsaida, this guy who had been crippled for 38 years would go there because they say that in this pool, anytime there would be movement of the water, an angel would have passed over and the first person who would get in would get healing. So meaning that even for this guy, in as much as he didn't ask Jesus, he was there expecting Expecting healing. He was there hoping that someone would throw him into the water so that he could get healing. But the thing that's so interesting about this guy that's so fascinating is when you look at this story, the uniqueness of this miracle is that this guy was not hoping for healing. He had completely reserved himself to this fate that he would just be a cripple all his life. The guy sat there at the gate to beg. He wasn't sitting there hoping, waiting for a guy. It doesn't, there's no indication here where we get any indication that this guy was in any way hoping for any miracle or expecting that he would walk one day, right? And so the thing that's so fascinating about this guy is just that this beggar at the temple gate had no such hope. He had no hope like that guy, the pool of Bethsaida or every other person who came to Jesus for healing. But on this day, he was was healed. And you know, the thing is for me, why this story is so powerful, why this story is so powerful is because I wonder, I really do wonder if there's some people who are listening to me today where there are some things in your life that you have completely lost hope for. You look at the situation, and honestly, it's hopeless. Like, you've literally... You know, even you say hopeless, it's like this. This intention. I mean, this guy, it wasn't even like he was hopeless. It's like, this is my life. <laughs> this is just how it is, <laughs> yeah? Like, he had reserved himself that this is just how it is. And I wonder, like, if there's someone or people who are listening and listening to this story and thinking... Where there's some things that you just, this is just how it is. I've reserved myself. This is just how it is. This is just how it will be. And I'm okay with that. That's just how it is, you know. And, you know, I remember a few months ago, there's a friend of mine who gave me a prophetic word. Um, And they said to me, God will do for you only what, God will do for you only what he can do. God will do for you what only he can do. Um, and I remember like, hearing that word, like God will do for you what only he can do. And I remember thinking just being like, I mean, I mulled over that word for many days, just being like, I wonder what, that, what that's about. What's this thing that God will do for me that only he can do? And I remember a few days later where it occurred to me what that thing was something came to mind um you know it hit me like a ton of bricks and i remember just um just weeping because i i mean i'm not at liberty to share what it was but it was like there's something that i knew in my life that had completely left for dead like i remember that day breaking down in tears because it was like i remember thinking i don't need hope for this like I've I've already reserved that, this is just how it is, and I'm okay with it, whatever you know. And when 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 that word came that God will do for me only what He can do, that's the that's the thing that came to mind. And I remember it broke me so hard because I was like, I don't want to hope for this, not because of anything, but just that thing for like I've I've reserved it, I've left it for dead, um, and. It's something that I had completely given up. Like, I had determined that this is God's will. This is just how it is. This is just how things are. right? And for me, it's just the fact that I had reserved in my mind that it wouldn't happen. Friends, even as I share this with you, like even right now, like in my heart of hearts, you know, I'm, I'm at great strain to hope that that situation that came to mind could possibly change. You know, even as I share this, it hasn't, but you know as I was preparing this message and meditating on this story of this crippled beggar, I realized that I fully resonate with this beggar at the temple gate called Beautiful, fully. Where you look at a situation and you're just kind of like, I, I don't imagine that this thing would change. So you just, <laughs> now I'll just reserve myself. I don't, I'll just go and I'll beg, <laughs> right? And Every day I'll be shipped here. I'll just do my thing. And you just reserve yourself to this thing. Um, and I don't know about you, but like, if you, if, you, if you have experienced or know of something like that. If you remember last week, I spoke to you guys about Isaiah 43, 18 to 19, where God says, Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wastelands." I honestly think like and feel like this is a continuation of that message. At least it is for me, because when I read this story, I felt like God was saying to us that that which you have lost faith in, that which, which you have lost hope in, that which you have said, this thing will never happen for me, or, and you're just okay, like it's just like, it's not, you're not, you're not even saying it's it's just like, you know, I just don't think this thing would, would, it's just don't think it would happen for me. That I truly believe that the reason why this story is told to us and in the way that it's told to us, something that is incredibly new. This is a new miracle. This is a miracle of a guy who wasn't who didn't ask for it, who was not even hoping for it, but God did it for him. Nonetheless that in the book of Acts, like this is the first time where we see this happening. And I love the response that Peter gave to the onlookers, you know, when, when, when they were filled with wonder and amazement uh, at just like, oh my gosh, what has happened to this beggar? It says in, 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 in verse 12 where it says, Peter said to those astonished people, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness, We had made this man walk. The God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. That it was not because of their their power, and it wasn't because of their godliness, and it certainly was not because of the faith of that beggar. (laughs) It was for the glory of the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, And I think, for me, the thing that I want to remind you who is watching, that Jesus has given us, and this is the constant reminder, that he has given us his Holy Spirit, that we may be his witness. That we may be his witness. It says of this guy that the thing that he did is that he literally jumped up, was jumping up in praise. Because he could not believe that this thing that he had reserved his life to, that he was just like, yeah, 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 that God did it for him. A new thing, a thing never seen before, but it happened for this guy. And I truly believe that this message is just for us. That God is saying to us, that he will do for us what only he can do. My friends, this series is not a theory. This series is going to be a demonstration of God's power through the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That the Lord Jesus Christ, that last week when he's talking to us and he gave me that word saying that he's doing a new thing, that this is part of that, that those things that you had reserved for dead, that those things that you're just like man i don't think this thing would ever happen for me that jesus christ he is alive he is alive and he's wanting us to be his witness that just like that beggar who was jumping up and down in the whole temple at a time of prayer and everyone was filled with wonder and amazement at what had just happened That God will glorify, that God at the very right time, at the temple gate called beautiful, at just the right time, God did something. God glorified the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that beggar, that former cripple, became a witness. He became a witness that Jesus who had passed him all those many days walking past through him, that that guy is still alive that Jesus is still alive. That Jesus is still alive today. And I believe in Jesus' name that whatever situation you left for the dead, may God turn it around for you in Jesus' name. Whatever situation that had been reserved hopeless, I pray in Jesus' holy name, that he would glorify his name through your life that you would be a witness that Jesus is alive and that you would be like this beggar, jumping in praise, glorifying the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, because he did it. May all glory, honor, and majesty belong to him, the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, for whom all praise and glory belongs. I pray that you would be a witness like that man, walking and jumping and praising god my friends god is doing a new thing and i truly believe i truly believe that you will be that place called beautiful that at just the right time god will do it for you and that he will do for you what only he can do for the glory of the name of the lord jesus christ amen amen God bless you guys. Catch you next Thursday. Hey guys, thank you so much for watching. Listen, if this message blessed you, please be sure to share it with someone whom you love. Share it with a friend, a colleague, anyone. And then also, listen, support us. Support this ministry so that we can be able to make more dope content and be able to spread this message of the kingdom to as many people as possible. And then, make sure that you subscribe. Sawa, subscribe. Subscribe, whoever the button, subscribe, subscribe. God bless you guys.